Folks, as you know, social media censorship is growing. The best way to support our video work for Israel is to subscribe to our video newsletter on pulseofisrael.com and to share our videos. If you are already a subscriber, then thank you. Two additional ways to connect with and support Israel, they are so simple. One, click on this link to help us strengthen Israel by strengthening Judea and Samaria. It's simple, everybody. Just click on the website and choose the best option that works for you to strengthen Judea and Samaria. And number two, enjoy the beauty of Israel whenever you want. No matter where you are in the world, you can enjoy our online virtual tours of Israel. Just visit IsraelIsBeautiful.com and choose the virtual video and activity package that works for you. Shalom, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Carolyn Glick Show with Avi Abelo. How are you? Oh, in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the Judean Hills. With the whole conversation How are you doing, Carolyn? Uh, we're doing okay. You know, as you know, for now, Tfut, Tfut, Funak would... Uh... Uh, we're in about the safest place in the country. We haven't had uh, we haven't had problems in a major way. Although I saw that there was a shooting attack uh, by uh, by Hebron just this morning. So um, you know everything is uh, so far so good, and we'll just have to see. Our country isn't at war, as you know. Yeah, yeah, and and even though like by us things are quiet. I mean, I was just out coaching baseball on Thursday, and there are baseball games taking place here by us in the Judean Hills. But there were some rockets that fell in the Shomron, Samaria over Shabbat. And there are some roads that are closed in our area, mostly the eastern side of Gush Etzion. People live in Nogdim and Tekoa. Roads have been closed by them. They have been, have been able to go in and out because the rocks, because the, the Arab Muslim neighbors have been giving them trouble over there. So, uh, but that's our situation. Um, there is so much to talk about, but it's Arab Chag, so we don't have much time, but we'll do what we can. Let's start with the latest. The latest is Israel took out a tower building in Gaza that was used as a Hamas headquarters, but it was also used as the head offices for the ma major, major global media companies, including AP, including Al Jazeera. I think there were others. And I'm going to put it straight out there. I believe it's about time Israel goes on the offensive and calls out for the head of these media companies, all of them who had offices in that building, for to be uh, that on access on uh, aiding and abetting Hamas war crimes, because they know that they Hamas uses their civilians as human shields, their own staff are used as human shields, their own building has been used for rockets to be fired down stairs. Matty Friedman, the the he used to be a New York Times journalist, called no, out in 2014, right? How AP that they that they basically followed the rules of Hamas. They know Hamas, and and they. I I want to go on the offensive. I want Israel and the Jewish world to go on the offensive. These media companies should be put on trial for war crimes, but instead they're calling us the criminals because we bombed the building. What do you say? No. I, you know, I think that there's a lot to that. I think that the media have been uh, central actors in the Palestinian war against Israel, and they've been doing so willingly. They they know that they're being used uh, as pawns. They know, or actually as as strategic uh, communications uh, uh, um, tools, tools, and also as 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 um, as collaborators, they're agents of Hamas, they're agents of the PLO, they're agents, they were agents of Saddam Hussein during his regime. Uh, they're agents of these enemy regimes against Israel and against the United States, and they're doing it willingly. 
and and I think that that's really uh, something that has to that that this latest strike makes very clear, as does the uh, outrage expressed by the heads of uh, Associated Press for Israel bombing the building where they had had their operations headquartered in Gaza for the past 15 years. This is really a stunning thing on two levels. One is that for 15 years, these people have been cohabitating with a Hamas military installation. I think it was military intelligence headquarters. They're sitting with military intelligence in Gaza, which is controlled by a terrorist organization, an illegal terrorist organization. So from the get-go, they didn't really have anything to do there in the first place. And obviously, anything that they were reporting out of Gaza, this is irrespective of where they were located in Gaza, had to be considered suspect and had to be considered pro-Hamas propaganda because this is a totalitarian regime and these people live at their mercy. In the past, we've had assaults against journalists in uh, Gaza. They had Fox News reporter was kidnapped. Um, other reporters have been kidnapped across the years by Hamas. And the clear message that they've sent all along is that if you don't play by our rules, if you're not parroting, if you're not a mouthpiece serving as our propaganda tool to the world against the Jews, then we are going to take violent action against you. And as we did in the past with Fox News and other media outlets that we didn't think were playing by our terrorist, illegal terrorist organization rules. Here you have Associated Press, one of the largest, if not the largest news agencies in the world, along with Al Jazeera, which is run by Qatar, which of course is uh, Hamas's op most open, overt uh, state sponsor. They, they finance all their operations every month. Um, so they're sitting with Qatar, which they know is an, is, 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 working openly with Hamas, They're, and uh, they call themselves reporters, but the most important story is about themselves, is about the fact that they are serving as human shields willingly on a voluntary basis for Hamas now for 15 years. The other absurd thing about the, and, and of course, none of this was in the statement of condemnation against Israel for bombing their building. Right. The other aspect that was not in that was that they said, and they said it, I think three times in their in in the head of AP's uh, attack on Israel, his statement on it was that Israel gave prior warning to them to leave the building. So every single person uh, uh, who is an employer of AP who works in that building along with Hamas's military intelligence was able to evacuate and nobody was hurt. So Israel didn't actually hurt any of them. And what they're complaining about is that they lost their offices. Okay. There's, I don't know if you, did you see the video? Did you see the video? No, There's I a, didn't. There is a video of the manager of that building talking on the phone with the IDF officer who called to warn them. And he's saying, please give us a 10 minute extension. He says, oh, I'm not arguing with you to take out the building. Just give us a 10-minute extension. And you hear all, the, the IDF officer, it was all translated, subtitled into English, saying, no, we gave you an hour warning. That's it. Get out of there. Is anyone in there? He goes, no, there's no one in there. He goes, fine. That's it. No 10-minute extension. That is the level the IDF in Israel goes, and the AP is even ignoring that, just as you're referring to. Yeah. 
يعني احنا بدنا اربعه انفار بس اربعه وكلهم لابسين الدروع مش اه مش حيروحوا يجيبوا اجهزه قتاليه ولا حيجيبوا حيجيبوا كاميراتهم وشغلهم هذول كانوا في بث مباشر يعني هي تو كلهم هي بنشوفهم تو تو رجعوا كانوا كلهم في المستشفى في مكان وين قتلوا العشر انفار امبارح في المجزره هذول كلهم هيك الناس الجايه ما في حدا منهم مخرب اذا اعطينا 10 دقائق ساور المسؤول قول يعني 10 دقائق ما حيصير شيء يا اتفضل احنا محترمين رايكم يا عمي احنا ما بنقول لكم بدنا نيجي غصب عنكم اعطينا 10 دقائق لا اخوي ليش اسال دقائق القريب؟ احنا صار لنا سلاح ضد الناس بدناش انه الناس يرجعوا للعماره للبرج بدنا نخدر من شانهم من شاني هذا حياتهم مش حياتي بقول احنا الا نتجادل نتجادل معك الا 10 دقائق لو في ال 10 دقائق سبحت لنا الروح كان راحوا جابوا الاجهزه تاعتهم ورجعوا يعني احنا احنا مش باكيين على الجهاز خلص انت بدك تسوي سوي احنا يعني تعب عمرنا كله راح بباتنا ذكرياتنا حياتنا ضيعتوها بدك تتكلم لي هالوقت على كاميرا ما بدي احكي على كاميرا خلص ما بدي اللي بدك اياه اسويه انا حسكر انا حسكر واعمل اللي بدك اياه في رب في رب كبير تفضل يا باك يا باك اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد لا لا ما في ناس لا لا ما في ناس well, I mean, it shows two things. It shows their contempt for Israel, right? Oh, yeah, we got a warning, but we're not going to take them seriously because we're AP and they wouldn't dare do anything to us, even though we're serving as human shields for Hamas. We are committing, as you said, a war crime because they're doing it voluntarily. They're not hostages. These people can leave Gaza at any time. All of their international journalists, they can all leave. So they're staying there voluntarily. They're working in an in an office, in 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 they're sharing an office building with Hamas military intelligence, and they're acting in contempt for IDF, thinking that they can continue to protect Hamas and its assets by demanding an extension of 10 minutes to try to make the, the IDF look weak or to lose its will or whatever. And the other thing is that um, they have not reported the story of themselves for 15 years. They've been presenting their news from Gaza as actual fact when all it is is propaganda. And then again, Israel didn't hurt them. So all of these things taken together show that AP is a terror. Not, not, it's not that they're hiding or that they're giving biased coverage. No, no, no. They are a terror asset. They have been working as a terror asset and also puts paid the concept that there's any free reporting in Gaza. And it shows, I think, the very uh, uh, sick pathological nature of the Western media today that they're, they're you know, that they're so willing to serve as allies, as collaborators, as partners for terrorist organizations. This goes up and down the chain of the AP and AFP and other uh, news agencies that have been caught over the years openly collaborating with Palestinian terrorists as they launch war against Israel. They are their propaganda arms. They are like a unit, an auxiliary unit of Hamas, because they are pretending that they are reporting news and what they are, and what they are actually doing is a serving as human shields voluntarily for Hamas to undermine Israel's war effort. And two, they are, uh, they are, they are publishing as fact Hamas propaganda to the world. I want to take this point and turn it on the positive for a second. Because we've had this conflict with Gaza for decades, right? We're cl closing on 20 years of rockets from Gaza, and it's gotten worse and worse over the years. Right. This is the first time Israel is taking serious, 
serious attack steps to hurt Hamas and has the guts to even hurt a building that, ha that has media company offices in it. In no other round of Gaza-Hamas violence against us did the Israeli leadership have the guts to take steps like this. I'm a big believer that Aviv, uh, 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 that uh, the Rabat Kal Kochavi, the chief of staff, he is the first Rabat Kal, the first chief of staff we have in decades who talks about victory. I'm, I'm sure he has a big part to play in this. What do, else do you believe has changed within Israel, Israeli leadership that is allowing us to finally be taking these bold and necessary offensive steps that a lot more is necessary, but it's still much more than we've done over two decades. I think the main thing is that the Israeli public has just had enough of this. You know, we we were obviously lied to. Most of us didn't believe it, but the most influential people in Israel did. By Ariel Sharon in 2003, 2004, 2005, in the lead up to the expulsion of the Jews of Gaza and the withdrawal of all Israeli forces to Gaza and the transfer of control over the international border with Gaza to the Palestinians themselves. So that, you know, everybody warned that Hamas... That, that was going to transform Gaza as soon as we left into a new Afghanistan, that it was going to be become a, a terror state that we were going to have the, the it's go, it was going to be transformed from a tactical nuisance that it had been from 1967 to 2005 into a strategic threat. And we're seeing that every single warning that was given, and there were so many um, and uh, to Sharon and to all of his political uh, uh, partners uh, were borne out in spades immediately. And it's only gotten worse in intervening years. Um, you know, in a way, reality has really collapsed our whole strategic concept of Gaza, which was that, you know, we could deter them by showing them, uh, you know, just how strong we are, that they were, um, that, that they weren't going to be, that, that, the, that, the, that the threat that they posed to Israel was never going to be this big. But what we found is that not only were they able to massively increase uh, their capabilities, their technological capabilities. You know, they said in 2018, uh, Ismail. Uh, Ania? No, not Ismail Ania. The, uh, the um, I'm sorry, the name escapes me. The, the, uh, their terror boss, the, the head of their military uh, operations in Gaza said that um, in 2018, then in the next round of war, that they were going to be able to shoot off more missiles in five minutes, and they shot off the entire war in 2014. And he proved himself to be correct this week. He's absolutely right. They were able to shoot off over, I mean, I don't know if it's more than the total that they did in the entire war, but they shot off nearly 200 rockets in five minutes at Ashkelon. Uh, they shot off. Uh, they've shot off over 2,000 uh, rockets at Israel in a week. They've been shooting off hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rockets into Israeli population centers every single day. So I think you know their their capabilities have massively expanded. They've been working to try to overwhelm the Iron Dome. Uh, but Israel also has massively increased our capabilities, as we saw with the bunker buster missiles that Israel used to destroy their so-called metro, which is their underground tunnels uh, uh, apparatus that they use not only to enter into Israeli's territory, but also to organize the troops, to muster the troops for attacks against Israel. And so that was sort of a, an, a, a seeming to be a rather amazing feat that Israel undertook the night between, I think it was Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, uh, where they, in a Thursday and Friday. What was Thursday and Friday? 
Okay, I don't know. I've lost track of time, but I know. Uh, crazy week. But, but the point is just that we have had this. On the other hand, what Hamas has also done is that they've shown a capability, which is an existential threat against Israel, which is to light up the Israeli Arab street uh, and really get uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Israeli Arabs to join in the war against Israel. And and I think the most fundamental shift that we've seen in the past week. Uh, is that for the first time since 1947, Israeli Arabs are taking the lead in the war against Israel by um, by carrying out pogroms. I mean, there's no other word that suits what they've been doing right. in uh, mixed Israeli-Arab cities, in Akko, mm -hmm. in Lod in particular, but also in uh, Jaffa and in Haifa and uh, in Jerusalem, of course, and in Beersheba, in the Negev. Uh, so, you know, we were, we're seeing things that we hadn't ever seen in the past, um, and it calls into question the future uh, prospects for, for Arab uh, peaceful coexistence with Israel inside of Israel's sovereign borders. I mean, they are acting as terrorists. They are acting in open insurrection. They are acting with the goal of wiping out Israel as a Jewish state, and they're supported by all of their members of Knesset, which is another aspect to this that are all, mm -hmm. you know, basically following Hamas's lead. So this is, this is in many ways, a, it's new. Uh, it's collapsed a lot of the concepts that have been sort of the, the Israel's strategy for contending with the Palestinians have been based on at least for the past generation. So, you know, that we have a lot of strategic rethinking that we have to do. And I think that to answer, this was a very long answer to your question, what's different here? I think it's that the government recognizes that the Israeli public is simply not going to accept uh, anything short of uh, of uh, the destruction of Hamas as a as a military uh, factor, and also its ability to operate inside of Israel. I surely hope so. And for those people watching who are not familiar with everything going on in Israel from the Arab Muslim Israeli citizens, in addition to everything you, Carolyn, were just saying, even in the Negev and the Galil, the north and south, not mixed cities, but in Jewish communities that are near Arab villages. They have been terrorizing the uh, the Jewish the Jewish towns. Yeah. Police have closed off roads because it's dangerous for Jews to travel. They've been giving they've been stopping the Jews from going in and out of the Jewish communities because they're not able to protect them because of all the violence and the road violence that that that, that the neighboring Arab villages are doing to their neighboring Jewish villages, whether stonings or burnings on on, on the road. Uh, it, it's just it's something that is, is Israeli Jews are totally shocked. And the point that I've been taking this to, I mean, this is something I've been talking about for years, and I actually heard this. I heard this, uh, if you're familiar with the with the, the lecturer and historian Gershon Bar Kochba, he actually uses this terminology. I remember being at a, at, at a lecture, he spoke to us when I was in reserve duty. And he said, people don't understand. We are in the 74th, now it's the 74th year of the War of Independence. That war never ended. The Arab Muslim world, they're not all Arab Muslims, right? And there are some Arab Muslim countries that are now in good relations with Israel, but, but the Arab Muslim world still has the desire to destroy Israel that they started even before 1948. So the independence war never ended. It's not that each war is a new war. Each operation is a new operation. It's still the continuation. And for many Israelis, this has finally come to light because of the shock and seeing so many Israeli Arab citizens were the most blessed Arab Muslims in the Middle East living in Israel with all the freedom and equality, regardless of their Sunni, Shiite, gay, female, right? 
it's unimaginable how blessed they are to live as citizens of Israel. And here they're, they're going on this uprising. So the, fun, the final point I wanted to make, though, and again, we got to get ready for, for Chag, but I wanted to touch upon the growing anti-Semitism because, I'm, I, I, again, I'm, I'm, you, you know me, Carolyn, I'm like you. I try to go on the offensive. It's not about the defensive, just trying to explain, to explain, to explain, trying to take the reality and take people to the next step on, on, on the offensive. And the offensive is what we're going through now is the Arab Muslim desire to destroy the state of Israel. That's always existed. Not, it's not about the Temple Mount. It's not about Shimon Tzadik, Sheikh Jarrah. It's not about settlement. It's not about an occupation. It's about the the the, the basic desire to destroy the state of Israel. And yet, we're, and here we're seeing a growth of anti-Semitism on the streets. And what I'm saying, I'd love to hear what you say, is that Palestine is the biggest global anti-Semitic movement in all of history. And Jews in London and New Los Angeles and, 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 and Paris and Toronto and New York, they have no clue that by not standing with Israel, they're allowing the growth of this boogeyman anti-Semitism called Palestine to be impacting their lives and making life worse for them as well. What are your what are your two cents? Look, I think that you know it's very important. First of all, for Israel, we're starting to get our bearings, and what you were talking about is the besieging of uh, Jewish towns in the Galilee. Um, in you know, we have uh, full areas that are besieged, and the army simply has to be called up. You know, we haven't had a situation where the army has been used inside of sovereign Israeli territory for many years, but there's nothing to do. The police don't have the forces to secure. Uh, to secure the highways if they want to deputize uh, reserve forces as uh, police, if that's what they want to do. I don't care what the legal mechanism is. And a lot of people have been saying this, and I know that it's on the table of the government and they're trying to move forward with it because we cannot have a situation in the Negev where pilots are unable to get to their air bases because the Bedouins in the Negev have destroyed the uh, the roads, the highways going to our major air bases. We can't have a situation where Jews in, in uh, towns in the Galilee can't leave their towns because they're they're besieged by their Arab neighbors. This is just an unacceptable situation. This is another reason that we have the army, and the army is going to have to come in and secure the roads. This is a strategic threat as well. All aspects of what the Arab Israelis are doing today is a, is a strategic threat to Israel's very existence, and um, and we have to. And we have to, uh, and and we have to be able to, and we have to be able to contend with it. So I think it's very important for people to understand that from a physical level, we've never faced this kind of insurrection from our Israeli Arab uh, neighbors, or we had, we have in the past, but it hasn't been to this level since 1947, when the Israeli Arabs or the Arabs who were living in the land of Israel before Israel became a state responded to the UN. Uh, uh, the UN General Assembly's passage adoption of uh, Resolution 181 that uh, approved the establishment of a two-state solution of a Jewish and Arab state inside of the uh, western half of the British mandate for, for Palestine. Uh, and instead of accepting the so-called two-state solution, uh, they tried to annihilate the Jews. And they opened it. And then when Israel declared independence on May 15th, five Arab armies joined them in their war to annihilate the Jews. And I, and I think it's very important for people to recognize what's at stake, because like you said, this is, you know, and I talked about this in my Friday column in Israel, the, the, the central animating concept behind the Palestinian national movement, behind uh, the war against Israel from a pan-Arab perspective. And also when you look at uh, their, their allies like AP reporters and New York Times reporters is to annihilate the Jewish state. Um, there is no Palestinian nationalism as a standalone ideology. It's all an entire 
entirely wrapped up in a desire to annihilate the Jews, to deny us our national rights, to deny us our freedom uh, of self-determination in our land. Um, and so when people say, well, it's about a two-state solution, it's not about a two-state solution. And I think that this concept of a two-state solution and, and not for the first time, but in a very fundamental way, was just proven to be a complete lie over the past week by the involvement, by the leading role that Israeli Arabs are playing in the violence against Israeli Jews today. Because, of course, they're not, you know, they're not talking about the, their problem. Like we said, we live in Judea, and this is the quietest area so far of the country. Um, the people in Ramla and Lod and Akko who are burning Jewish businesses, burning synagogues, uh, attacking their Jewish neighbors, lynching them, uh, burning their property, burning their burning their um, uh, cars, uh, attacking their children, burning their Jewish schools, all of these things, they're not doing it because of some so-called occupation in Judea and Samaria or Jewish control over the Temple Mount or any other areas of uh, Jerusalem. They're doing this because Jews have a state in Israel, in whatever borders, they don't want us here. They haven't made peace with the Jewish state because not not because they're a separate uh, nationalism and they want their land for they want the land for themselves. They do it because they want to annihilate the Jews. You know that's it. This is all about you know what they said in 1948 was finishing Hitler's work, and they're very serious about it. And I think you know one of the things that we have to bear in mind is you know ideology basically is a is a is a central concepts is a is a is a concept that gives people the ability to understand the world right all aspects of the world inexplicable you know natural phenomenon natural phenomenon interpersonal relations politics whatever and you know so communism is one liberalism is another international liberalism is another you know uh, uh capitalism um and then you have creeds like Judaism or Christianity or Islam. Anti-Semitism is an ideology. It provides an explanation for absolutely everything that a person can experience in his or her life. All of the bad things that happen in the world are the Jews' fault. All the good things happen because the Jews are repressed because they weren't involved. It is a central unifying explanation for existence. And for Palestinian Arabs and apparently for Israeli Arabs, for, for their collaborators in the West, for people like Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, all of them are, are arguing just as they think that the United States is the root of all evil and that its strength explains all of the bad things in the world and its weakness is the answer to them. And they're willing to, you know, they're willing to collaborate with the Chinese, with the Vietnamese and, you know, the North Vietnamese in their days. In, with with uh, with uh, Hugo, Hugo Chavez, with uh, Castro, with all of these tyrants, with with the Soviet Union, all of these uh, tyrannical dictatorships that repress and murder millions of people, they're willing to work with them. To they view them as morally superior to the United States because they are anti-American. It's the same thing with their hatred of Israel. They they are willing to side with with uh, with the Iranian theocrats who want to destroy everything that they purportedly believe in because what animates them as human beings is hatred of the Jews and it doesn't matter if they're Jewish or non-Jewish. In fact, you know some of the worst anti-Semites, including mm -hmm. Karl Marx, have been Jews, and you know we can't give them a pass. We can't give the likes of P Peter Beinart, for instance, a pass on his Jew hatred just because you know he claims that he's an observant Jew. He's not an observant Jew. He's a man who has dedicated his life to denying basic rights of freedom to Jews because we're Jews, and he's. All of his all of his efforts, his entire career, I would assume much of his personal life, is directed towards harming 
the Jewish state, undermining the Jewish state. This is somebody that's operating, that's acting, that is motivated by an anti-Semitic worldview. And he has to be called out as such. And I think that this is, you know, from the perspective, not of the, the, the Israeli military, and, you know, we have, we have challenges here. And God willing, our military will face them. The public demands it. They require it. They're not going to settle for anything less. We've had, we've been steeped in political crisis for the past two years. Uh, and that crisis may, it looks like it may be coming to an end because the politicians recognize that Israel wants a nationalist government that's going to make the decisions necessary. It, we're willing to make the sacrifices as a people. We are not willing to allow uh, this, this situation to be prolonged. And by the way, we haven't said anything about the North. But you know, we have when we're we're looking at this situation, we have to recognize that the potential for expanding into the north is incredibly high. It's a much more higher than fifty percent. We already had a missile attack over 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 the Shabbat over over the Sabbath from uh, Syria. We had a missile attack. Uh, a couple of days ago from Lebanon, they're already involved. This is already being engaged in the north, and Israel has to think about that because the threat from Hezbollah and its missile arsenal, if Gaza has 20,000 or so in uh, in Lebanon, Hezbollah has more than 150,000 missiles. They're all pointing at Israel with all different uh, ranges and uh, precision levels. Uh, and this is and payloads, and this is this is the this is a strategic threat that we're all looking at, we're all thinking about, and it's certainly developing. It's certainly already unfolding, and we have to think about that. But for our audience, people who care about Israel, people who want uh, to make sure that Israel is safe, we have to all recognize what this is all about. It this is a war about hating Jews. Rashida Tlaib hates Jews. Ilhan Omar hates Jews. Bernie Sanders, like Karl Marx, hates Jews. And we have, and Elizabeth Warren hates Jews. They want to tell us who we are, what we can be, where we can live, what property rights we're allowed to have. They side with people who want to annihilate us uh, against us. They call us uh, immoral for defending ourselves. This is a very walking, talking definition of anti-Semite. And by the way, the Biden administration is funding this entire thing. The mm -hmm. Biden administration is funding this. They're funding this by uh, sanctions relief, even if it's unofficial towards Iran. They've already received almost $10 billion in sanctions relief while they rush to the nuclear finish line. They're making it clear that they want to renew America's commitment to the nuclear deal from 2015, which provides Iran with the ability to develop and field a nuclear arsenal in 2030. And everybody knows that that's what the JCPA gives them. So we all have to recognize this. We all have to understand that this is the situation today. Um, this, These are the stakes in this war. People who hate Jews and who want to annihilate the Jewish state, and by the way, want to attack and lynch Jews in Brooklyn, in the Bronx, in Manhattan, throughout the United States, throughout Europe, they are anti-Semites too, and they cannot excuse their actions. In fact, the fact the fact that they're trying to excuse their actions by saying that they're angry about what Israel is doing just makes it manifestly clear that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. It strikes against Jews wherever we are. Right, and and I mean, you brought up Peter Beinhardt just just a day or two ago. There was a letter of of rabbinical students, conservative and reformed rabbinical students bashing Israel and blaming Israel. And everyone's asking, okay, what about the Jews? Yes, those Jews, they, in a sense, like Peter Beinart, they hate their their proud Jewish identity and they're creating a whole different type of Jew and it's not an, and it's not a Jew. 
and it's sad, but those people are also enabling and supporting the anti-Semitism that they're going to get hit from by it as well, just because they're still labeled as Jews, even though they're actively against us. It's just a very sad state. We have to, we have to, I think, you know, with all of us now living uh, in fear, you know, that we're, that uh, we could, that our Arab neighbors are interested in wanting to lynch us, wanting to kill us, wanting to burn our homes, burn our fields, burn our cars, burn our synagogues, burn our schools, burn our yeshivot, which is what they are doing in cities across Israel, right? Anybody who is siding with them, anybody who is showing any sympathy towards them is giving sympathy and supporting anti-semitism they are supporting the hatred of jews they are they are accomplices in this they are bigots themselves and it doesn't matter what their last name is and it doesn't matter if they're rabbinical students who who and it only just shows how dangerous these streams of judaism are becoming if these are the rabbis that they're putting out and they should be ashamed of themselves and the people who have to really be doing a cheshbon nefesh here and thinking about themselves and what they're doing and you know and and their their relationship to the jewish people are them and uh, and israel has you know, the only thing that we have to apologize for is that we've allowed this monster to grow in our midst and we haven't taken the kind of action over the right. past 20 years that we should have in order to avert this. Right. I'm just going to take you a step forward by supporting and enabling it to take place in Israel, the burning of synagogues, homes, fields, uh, yeshivot. They're enabling for our enemies to start doing it to them in New York, Toronto, London. It's not going to, whether it's a, a month, a year, two years, they're, so, they're enabling it here. It's going to come and bite them in the toches, as we say there as well and that's the really the, the really sad thing well, we're we're going to be celebrating tonight and tomorrow we're going to be reading torah all night long we're going to be celebrating it's very important the third major festival that's you know of shavuot which is chag matan torah and it's also the day you know it uh, is recalling the memory in, in memory or whatever in celebration of of the jewish people receiving the torah at mount sinai and uh, and um, it's also uh, the harvest festival here in Israel, in the land of Israel, and uh, the Torah of Israel, and the people of Israel all very much come together in this in this in this holiday. It's an extremely it's an extremely uh, emotional holiday, I think, uh, for people, especially at this time when we're celebrating the things, very things that are being attacked. Um, and and you know, just just again about uh, the our left wing. Uh, uh, Jewish uh, uh, um, uh, critics in the United States. I think, you know, it's very important. Uh, we had an interesting conversation yesterday around the Shabbat table about uh, about the the portion of the Torah that we read yesterday, which is the book of Numbers, uh, Bamidbar, the first portion of, of, the, of the book. And the first portion of the book begins with a census mm -hmm. of the Jews and they, how they count them and everything. But uh, uh, our guest was saying that, you know, it was interesting that everybody gets a name and nobody is a number. They count everybody by name. And we were discussing why it is, why it is important that everybody has a name. And, you know, there are, and, and you know, it's a very anti-fascist concept, right? That we're all part of a collective, but we're also individuals. And the idea that, you know, I threw forward that, that, uh, you know, uh, I, I think is, is one of the explanations that's correct. I said, you know, it's because it's not just that, you know, everybody has an Everybody is an individual, and we have to recognize the individualism because that's obviously true. But it's also that every individual has an obligation to the people. 
So it's not just that the people has an obligation to every individual, which is of course true, but it's also that we all have an obligation to the people because our survival as individuals is tied up with our survival as a people. So these people who claim to be rabbis in the United States who are, you know, rabbinical students who are condemning Israel for standing up for the Jewish state and for the Jewish people and for Jewish rights, uh, whether in Sheikh Jarrah or in Lod, um, you know, they are acting in opposition to, you know, one of the central tenets of Judaism and they should be ashamed of themselves. And I think that the the holiday of Shavuot is a time for them to really think about what they're doing and, and what it means about them uh, personally, because I think it speaks very ill of them and that they should be ashamed of themselves. And if they really were seriously committed to the Jewish people and to the Torah, um, then they would they wouldn't be they wouldn't be behaving the, the way that they are because it, it's dangerous and it's hateful and uh, and uh, and it's horrible. So I, that's what I think we're under we're under attack here. The people of Israel are very, very strong and have absolutely no interest in going uh, in in making apologies for any of what we're doing. And I think that that's the tailwind that the government is getting whoever's in charge and I think God willing, it'll remain Netanyahu for for the for the duration. Um, and I think that uh, people have to recognize that we 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 care what they have to say in theory, but in practice, you know, we have a country to defend, we have a country to preserve, we have a country to protect, and hopefully, at some point in the future, they'll come to them their senses and realize that what they've been doing has been horrible, and that they have to change their ways. But we're here, and we're not going to apologize for it. One hundred percent. Yeah, and we'll 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 leave the whole pol political update, government stuff for another time because we have to go. Chag's coming, and just to end off again on a positive, to not I don't want everyone to be depressed about what's going on because, like you're saying, we are strong. We are home. My porch. I look over the fields of Bethlehem where Root, the Moabite, actually worked, and where I, I take my kids every holiday of Shavuot to our porch and say, see, what we're reading is not just a story tale. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a history book. It actually happened here below our porch. The Jewish people are back. This is the place we're supposed to be. And no matter what's happening or what challenges, we are home. And my call for every Jew out there, even with what we're going through, this is the place to be. Be here and help strengthen the Jewish people to make our future brighter, not just for the Jews, but for all of the minorities who are who are blessed to live within us because regardless, even with the problems, we are safer here in the long term. Come home. So Chag Sameach, Carolyn. Chag Sameach. I got I got to go make a, uh, I got to go Speaking. make a, uh, yeah, I said, I, I have to go make food. So anyway, Chag Chag Sameach. thank Chag you everyone Chag for watching. Bye-bye. Yeah, okay. See you next time. Bye. Signing off from the eternal and ancestral homelands of the Jewish people, the Judean hills of the land of Israel. Bye-bye. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.